0: generations to hunt podcast where the goal is to learn together and further the culture of hunting thanks for listening
1: welcome back the generation of the hunt podcast so i got a special guest with us a michigan local so it's gonna be for a lot of us michigan boys you know to hold it down so uh like to introduce yourself
0: uh jake bollinger uh from grass lake michigan uh born and raised in lower lower peninsula um Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I reached out to Jay because uh, I see some slammers on his page. So I, you know, I'm doing this for selflessly to learn how to shoot some big ones this year. So I'm I'm gonna kind of just pick your brains and all that, and I think this would be a great episode. So. Um, so you were telling a little bit about, you know, your history and all that. I mean, you said you you started when you were a very young age. You wanna go into details on that?
0: Yeah, my older brother uh, was was hunter, you know, archery hunting, um, and got me into shooting the bow in the backyard, you know, the little red compound bow, little kids bow. Um, I just kind of fell in love with it and followed his footsteps and he taught me a little bit about it. We had some state land next to the house I grew up in and uh, Know, 12 years old we're out there messing around acting like we're hunters and whatnot and doing our our deal and it took me a couple of years i think to get my first buck i think i was 14 the year i got my first buck on my grandpa's farm a nice little seven point you know yeah. so it was that was pretty cool to get my first year as a buck and yeah it was a good time and uh started deer hunting before really doing any other kind of hunting got into squirrel hunting later in my teens rabbit hunting when one of my buddies got a rabbit dog so that was a cool experience you know I never hunted behind a dog before, so. And then, uh, you know, did some pheasant hunting, did a couple, I uh, did a out-of-state hunt in South Dakota pheasant hunting. But other than that, pretty much stayed right here in, in lower Michigan and, and done all my adventures outside.
1: So you, you basically cut your teeth on public land. I mean, did you have any endeavors, basically, on that? I mean, or were you just so young, you you know, it could have been yourself or anything like that? Or
0: You know, yeah, when we were young, we had no clue what we were doing. We were just out there just you know messing around my brother uh actually what got me like hooked that I wanted to be a hunter is my brother come home with in hindsight looking back at it had to have been a yearling you know fawn (laughs) it was small draped over his shoulders and he was like (laughs) ecstatic on cloud nine you know my mom single mom raising three boys she was like this is awesome you know this is me didn't care how small it was obviously my brother didn't either and I was like that's pretty cool to provide so yeah I went out there messed around on state land a little bit through uh my early teens you know when i could drive by myself and had a couple of interesting events out there you know a lady with pots and pans just banging and clanging them together to try to get the deer away you know and that was a crazy event and then in the the same little area um, outside of chelsea uh, i actually had a dude pull a gun straight up told me this is my area Uh, you know i'll don't come back and i'm like peace and i'm not coming back like there and ain't you no... were just a like kid yeah say. i was like 16 or 17 Holy like, mo- at that time yeah i was very young i was driving myself you know just doing my own little thing learning the state land and it was like there ain't no deer worth this man no and i did have you know some private ground to hunt at the time so i just you know truthfully kind of packed up off state land and went to the,
1: the farms see and that's like like the stigmatism on public land mm. is so like such a bad taste in my mouth for Michigan, you know, because you just have scenarios like that. And people, like, don't, you know, I, like, public land is really hot right now, you know, right. for all the, you know, for everybody. And, you know, it is the challenges, but, like, there's some nasty taste in my mouth. And it sounds like your mouth, like, it just makes you go, Mm, I, I've already rid that bus and I'm not going <laughs> to do it again. So
0: Yeah, you know, I just, it's also, like, realized how spoiled I was and how lucky I was to have some private ground, So it's like why fight this right know? at the time it wasn't big on my list to do it and
1: yeah and, and i think it's coming up to a point where like i think public land and private land are getting almost equal again i think in my eyes because there's just so much now there's so you know unless you had an old atlas you know or google world you know I think with all the mapping that technologies oh, and all gosh. that, it's just making it so much more easy for people. And I'm not saying it's a, a sh- you know, a give me with the public land. It's still uh, unknown yeah, challenges, but still tough. Yep. But I think it's make it's equaling the level, you know, the the level for sure between public and private. I mean, you can control a lot more public. I mean, private, but.
0: But you can also burn it out a lot more on private. Yeah. And I think that's uh, one of the things that is a little bit overlooked in southern Michigan with small properties. You know, people think, oh, you got a piece of private, you got deer everywhere. Yeah, you hunt it wrong and you don't have any deer. You got right. less than state land. So it it goes both ways. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. fighting the people on state land, I can imagine, is pretty tough nowadays with public land getting so much attention yeah. and popularity. Yeah.
1: Yeah, oh, and you're very true because, like, you know, if you if you blow up a spot in public land, well, I'll just go a mile down the road. Move. And yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. in public, you're just stuck. I mean, like, we were talking a little bit earlier, and, you know, you know, 100 acres is a lot, but it's really not that big, you know what I mean? I yep. mean, it's just little pockets. Yep. I mean, deer can move you know square miles and you know yeah, so put it
0: wrong once or twice and yeah. it's
1: wasted for weeks i know and like when i was young i was just like i'm free today i didn't wasn't looking at the wind yeah, or nothing absolutely yeah. and then like yep. it's just like hey i got time today so i'm gonna hunt it today and that could be one of them things that just it blows your whole thing up for the season or, right. or a couple days at least at like, least yeah you know, oh yeah so, so i mean what what was your favorite thing about small games so that that's what I o I always, i missed out on the small games until i was later in life i mean
0: you know um i'd say with the squirrel hunting it was it was you could you were moving you know you could kind of move around a little bit more you know with the rabbit hunting you could talk a little right. bit more you know yeah. you're a little more interactive um so i did i liked both of that you know and, and Honestly, I'm surprised I don't have my own rabbit dog because I, I kind of fell in love with watching the dog work too. Yeah. It's pretty cool, so I always ask him, "Hey man, go go hunt behind your dog." Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, you really like that, don't you?" And I should have really got one, but I, I don't have my own, you know, hunting dogs or anything. But uh, yeah, it was just another way to be out in yeah. the woods, you know, just another reason to be outside. Yeah,
1: I I think a lot of people are missing out because like I was like I went squirrel hunting like when I was younger, you know, or you know, just walking around with the 22. That's basically, mm-hmm. but like. Mm-hmm. Now like with you know, Matt with the dog and stuff and like actual like rabbit hunting, it's so much fun. It's so and I, I, I love introducing people to it Because cause it's like people don't understand how like fun it is. Yeah, it's a lot of work for a little bit of meat, but it's like dude, it's a blast. Yeah. And and you can just all right, you know, just walk through all right, we're done here, let's go somewhere else and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah i I definitely think small game is getting overlooked a lot
0: yeah you know when, uh, me and a buddy do a, a squirrel hunt every winter uh out at uh, grass lake sportsman's club it's called the bushy tail challenge and that's been a ton of fun you know oh, it's yeah. uh 10, 10 squirrels heaviest bag wins and oh. then they they pay out you know a few places down some yeah. 50 50s and stuff so that's been a cool way to get kids involved and to keep myself involved in the squirrel hunting and yeah. luckily the last few years we've done really well so we've you know been out there and at least make our entry fee back. So yeah. that's been a cool way to keep out in the woods. Yeah,
1: Me and Matt, we do a couple small game, local small game tournaments and stuff. And it's always on like the worst day, I swear, dude. This year was like, <laughs> it was like negative 20. I felt. Too it was, funny. That's how that one works too. Dude, it was so rough. And like, that was the first time Remy was like going out for us. And it was just like, it was like the dog was like, no, nope, we're going back to the truck. I was like, all right, we're leaving. Terrible
0: condition. Dude, right? it was
1: bad. And I was like, I, I couldn't believe it, too, because I was like, we went to the tournament, or the turn-in, and uh, we're like, if anybody limited out, they're cheating. Yeah. It's <laughs> like right. four or five teams limited it out. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, how? Mm-hmm. I was like, you guys are troopers, man. <laughs> we, we got two <laughs> rabbits, spot. and we we were done. Right. So. Yeah, know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, you talked a little bit about <clears throat> acquiring some property, so, I mean- Talk about that. I mean, I think that's a lot of people's uh, whole goal, and in, in the hunting, is just to have their own little piece. I mean, mm-hmm. how how did it all, you know, transpire? And
0: so, I mean, there was a lot of, um, I'll say, some luck involved with it too, and some timing of just how things worked out. You know, when the uh, housing collapse happened, I just was lucky enough that I was smart financially and had saved some money, so I bought a foreclosure, got it remodeled, it to put a pile of money and you know effort and time into it. And, uh, you know, knew that I had some equity built up into it, an event with the long-term goal of buying a piece of land, right? right? And uh, I hunt on my father-in-law's farm uh, during that time while I'm doing that, and my grandpa's farm, or my wife's grandpa, but I call him grandpa, hunt that same area, and I've always looked at this one piece of property while I'm hunting, and I just see the deer funneling from it, and I see him cross, and I'm like, man, I would give my left testicle to have that piece (laughs) of property, like... Told my wife it years and years ago, you know, a decade ago, like if that, it's called, you know, the, the owner was Browns. I said if Browns Farm ever comes for sale, like I'm buying it. <laughs> so uh, we start looking at some property that's uh, adjacent to the family farm, but not this particular one that we end up buying. And they just, they just wanted too much, you know. It was just it was vacant farmland and just wasn't in the cards for us financially. So then the uh, Browns kind of list their uh, house, but no property. And we get to talking about it and they're like, well, you know, if you're going to keep it as a farm, we don't want it being split up. So we just kind of got talking and they wound up listing the whole entire thing. So we, uh, we pulled the trigger to sell our, what we thought was possibly our forever home, you know, our first home full foreclosure you know, was lucky enough to make quite a bit of money off of it because of a, the, the housing complex, uh, collapse in 2008. And, eight, yeah. Was it was it? like 2008, 2009 when I bought it, something like that. So, you know, you, Banks were giving foreclosures yeah. away, so I got it really cheap, and then I sold right before COVID, when Whoa. the housing comp, you know, uh, again was was high, super high. People were throwing money at houses, yeah. so you know, there's a luck involved in that. Oh, little power outage right yeah. there. <laughs> um, there was some luck involved in that and timing of having things work out in my favor of how much you know I was lucky enough to profit. But uh, the farm got listed, and we could we could make ends meet with what we had made off the other house. And we decided to sell and, and buy the farm. And it, uh, it it touches up to the in-laws' farm and grandpa's farm. So it essentially locks down the the key pivotal bedding swamp, the holding swamp that I used to hunt all the way around. So it's just like, just perfect. Right. You know, was, there was a lot of luck involved with it, don't get me wrong. But there was also a lot of uh, pre-responsibilities um, that right. led to that, you know, that yeah, for sure. made me res- uh, able to be able to buy it. But the... Uh, you know, we got lucky that it was uh, one of those when we actually did wind up buying it, it was right when COVID lockdown hit like hard and they were locking, shutting everything down. So yeah. not a lot of people were checking houses out. They weren't checking a lot of stuff. So we didn't have a lot of competition to buy it. So we, we got lucky and, and made it made it happen. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're what, three years deep now, I guess it is. Yeah. Something like that.
1: Uh, and when you. You sent to you're kind of familiar with this area. I mean, what was your main goal? Was it basically how much of I don't want to give away your spot. I mean, how much was woods and how much was ag? So, in
0: this particular particular piece of property, it's it's seventy five twenty five seventy five percent ag. Okay. Um, but the twenty five percent that's on it is the key twenty five percent, right? It's the it's the right twenty five percent for the area. Right. And and that's what there was multiple reasons. Obviously, being able to butt up to um, the in-laws farm or the family farm that I'm already, you know, involved right. in all the time in hunting that unlocked a huge amount of opportunities of access, every direction, all that kind of stuff, obviously being able to uh, manage more land. Um, and it was just, you know, I just thought that it was one of those pieces of property that I could turn into something special, you know, and I'm going to, I plan on taking some of the ag away. Right? Okay. So I'm like every year I'm taking a little chunk, a little chunk. Yeah. A little chunk little chunk until i get it to be my uh white paradise if you will i got a yeah. plan and i'm going to execute a little bit at a time
1: and so your whole ambition was not even for uh i mean it's an investment but in a sense you're taking away from some of the you know was it return on investment you know i like it thought you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're enhancing, you're, you're doing it for enhancing your hunting and all that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of it is to do farming. You know, I raise meat chickens, you know, a couple hundred a year. We got several goats. We are going to have beef cattle on our farm again. You know, I'll do my own hay. So I'll keep some of it ag. Right. Um, but the goal was yes, uh, to, to reclaim some ag ground and, and have a lot of fun and experiment with it, you know, because I just found that that's, you know, early on at my grandpa's house, I found out I really, really enjoyed the habitat side of of hunting, and, right. and for all wildlife. You know, my goal right. isn't just deer. I like, you know, as I said, I like to go out and hunt just about anything. Right. So if I can put it on the table, I want to try to give it a good habitat to live and and
1: for know. sure, for sure. And you know, and that's like the you know everything makes stuff go around. I right. mean, you know, and you said there's some you know pheasants like that's my like. I, I didn't even I grew up a little bit with like the pheasants and the, like the fence rows and stuff and now you can tell the difference between now and like you want to bring that back to make is a really good goal and all that. Um so on do you farm it yourself?
0: I do not. So this this particular ground we decided to keep with the uh, farmer that's leased it for a long time. Okay. Um lots of go into it. Obviously, we're, you know, farmers are a tight-knit community. We don't want to cut each other's Yeah. Throat. Um and he had just put in some alfalfa seed quite a bit of, you know, there's some return on investment on that and you don't want to take that from no. someone. And, and he's a really good family friend of mine or a friend of mine. So it was, you know what, you just keep doing this. We got our stuff okay, you know, with the intent of him knowing that so, I'm going to so, take some of
1: it. So is it mostly all alfalfa hay? And um, all that? No,
0: it's about 50, 50 alfalfa and corn every year. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, so I was just asked if he had any influence of what goes in there and all that.
0: Um, I could you know, but I don't want to, you know, the way he's got it set up, the way he runs things. And I'm kind of working around that, knowing yeah. how it's going to stay every year. And, uh, but he works with me on like, uh, cutting certain areas, leaving certain corn up, See, that's giving perfect. me some access, letting me go down there with the weed whipper and whacking down a row right. to get to us. you know, all that kind of stuff. He just knows that, uh, we're working together. That's super
1: know. cool. Cause you know, sometimes, uh, you can get older farmers or something that gets stuck in their ways. Oh, and absolutely! Like, so that's really cool that you can work together, and that's what a lot of people need to do. You know, yeah. At the end of the day, you know, it could be it's just like a partnership. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yep. so do you like the corn? I, I I prefer corn over beans to be honest.
0: Um, I'm gonna say it depends on the piece of property.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: definitely, because there are certain pieces of, of the farm that I hunt that. I would much. I love the years that it's beans. Okay. Compared to the corn, and then there's my particular property. I love that it's corn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is that
1: because of retainage? You think of of the corn of where do you keep losing power. I don't know. Uh, we uh, of the deer hiding in the corn. Is that why or no?
0: That- I mean, you know, I actually I'm a firm believer that there's not many deer in my cornfields only because the pressure is low. Okay. So I don't. I use the corn a lot to my advantage of of. You know, blocking me. Okay, that's why I like it. Access,
1: access. Yeah. I can
0: access a lot more of my farm with not a single thing knowing unless I step on top of it. No. And that's really why I like the corn. Obviously, you know, late season. Yeah, it's hard to beat I, corn, right? Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: and yeah. Beans, beans has like a sweet spot. You know, what I mean, it's, two
0: sweet spots in a year. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, oh, and that going into that, what what do you think? If I'm jumping a little bit ahead, are you an early season guy or are you? A rut guy, or are you a late guy. You mean for, for beans, or for, for just just, just deer in general?
0: Um, I I'm an end of October, early November guy. Uh, okay, you know, before rut, I like to be pre-rut. You know, yeah. pre pre-rut is really my favorite okay. time to be out. Yeah, yeah. Mid October on.
1: Okay, if you had one day, you only could hunt one day a year. What day would it be? Do you have a day like that?
0: I do, but unfortunately, that, that day I guess is more of you know in the rut. Yeah. Uh, it, November seventh. Yeah. Okay. I've got four on the wall on from November. Oh, 7th. really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. definitely
1: made that day if I have that day. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes rut is just such a beautiful thing, and then sometimes you're like fucking rut. Yeah. Dude. It just, absolutely. It's like sometimes it's just organized chaos. Sometimes it's just like <laughs> it can be. You're trying to you got everything you got everything planned out, and everything just goes to crap. Real yeah.
0: Quick. It can real so, quick. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: So, what's some of the steps you took to you know? to help improve this property?
0: So the first thing that I knew was that it, there was a lot of uh, marsh grass where there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, brush. So there was pockets that deer could get to the edge and see, you know, 10 acres or whatever it was or see the whole entire field. And there wasn't a lot of cover in that. So I knew that, you know, propagating some red osier dogwood and some silky dogwood, silky dogwood on the, on the field lines for, for cover, eventual cover, and then some red, red osier, um, right on the, you know, just inside a little ways, almost as a staging areas, you know, for browsing and then right outside of the browse, uh, or excuse me, right outside the bedding areas, just trying to thicken some of that swamp up where there was no trees, you know, cause the, the swamp that I do have, um, is basically rimmed with Tamarack and then the inside is just cattails with a few Tamarack here and there. So that's just super, super thick, nice little islands, you know, for bucks to bed, really, you know, solitaire and by themselves. So it holds a lot of good mature deer. So I wanted that first step out of that um, bedding area to be browse, you know, so that they would hold there all season long and in deer season, I could be just on the outside of that and catch them right. before they're out to everything else. Right. And
1: did you say, did you do you go in the swamp a little bit or do you usually tend to play around that?
0: I, I always go around it. Okay. Nope. that's my, you know, the, the term sanctuary I think's thrown around a little right. bit, you know, now, but I'll, I'll call it my sanctuary. I don't go in it unless I have to. Right um you know you'll hear some people oh, they can't hear you i drive my quad around it or my my utv and it's never affected you know obviously you bump them right it's going to be a different story but when it's a i'm gonna say 15 20 acre swamp and i'm three acres away from it and they can hear me drive by they don't care know, right. they're not that's not going to get them up out of bed so yeah i leave that center core alone 365. Yeah. i have to do
1: you, do you put any trail cams in there just for like inventory or anything not yet? inside
0: i i know there are four or five main trail routes coming out of it and i'll have them literally right there
1: okay yeah so mm-hmm. you just leave this alone yeah. all season wrong yeah. basically yep that's 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 very tempting i bet you sometimes just to it go is there.
0: and there's a couple of stands in there i know if i could sneak in clean and out busting a deer i could you know that that'd be my money chips right you know stand right there but i just know that the. Uh, Risk to reward is too high, and I just don't. And that's and
1: sometimes you know you just get that like, you know, there's like the devil on your shoulder, just like go in there, (laughs) just go in there, and you just gotta be like, no, 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 no. It it might be a good it might be a good sit, but it probably do more harm than good. So and I
0: mean truthfully, in those cattails too, it's it's above my head. Yeah. So it's just their paths. So you can't see anything other than what's five foot in front of you. So you don't have a lot of ground if something is to happen back in there to to be prepared or whatever. So, no, I leave that to them. And, you know, I think that's really been a key to a lot of the success is giving them that area they know they can resort to um, without any
1: human intrusion. Right. So uh, any more improvements before we go into anything yeah of like... course
0: food plots yeah. you know yeah that was my first thing i knew a couple areas that i wanted to put uh, i got several acres of food plots out that uh, i've arranged in a fashion to kind of funnel the deer to where i want them um pull them out of that that bedding area and funnel them through my property instead of trying to go you know east west north south making them stay on my property as long as possible you know right. i've learned over the years that uh the thinner thinner food plots longer food plots curved or arced or jelly bean or hourglass or whatever those kind of always work better than my big plots i've never had as nearly as good a success when i cut out you know, two acres i just have a two acre square plot right never has been as good as those smaller you know, longer plot gives gives them more room to move and and kind of feed and look out and right so i've been kind of designing my property to have more of those features
1: and 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 the food plot Food plot locations are they are they mostly like all timber edge around basically? Yeah, so
0: it's pretty much right like right now at least the current setup of it until I take some more ground is it's it's right on that where the low pan and hard pan hit. Okay, you know I'm I'm on the edge of the field. I took. Oh, what is it? Two and a half acres from you know from the f- tillable ground this year, and put it in the food plot. But it's you know it's like a, almost like a P shape, like a physical letter P. Yeah, right. That long tail is what pulls them out of the swamp and and lines them to come up to that larger food plot, which is only half acre at the end. So it's not that large. And I can pretty much shoot it with a bow all the way around. No, that's sweet. So,
1: are, are you splitting? uh the food plot up or is it all one thing
0: no i'm always doing two different so this year is the first time i've done my own kind of blending of random stuff you know over some research but i always like to have like a green side and a brassica side okay i normally use my brassica in the center of the larger plots if they're circle or square or whatever the side that i'm predominantly hunting I'll put the brassicas on the farther side for gun season, you know, for later in the season. And then I do my green blend on the, on the rim of the woods. And then like my longer, thinner plots just for early season draw when
1: I'm with my bow. Just some basically like, what is that? Like, chicory and like uh clover. So stuff. I do
0: like uh late planted soybeans. I really like to do like oh. really late. I'm not going for the bean pod. I'm okay. going for the green yeah. beans. That's what I'm going for, you know? So I'll do, uh, so like this year I did, um, beans and peas and then uh, daikon radish, so tillage radish. Okay. So I've mixed those, and then I did a mix of brassicas
1: for the center. Okay. So are you doing a soil test or anything like that? Yeah. Or? Yep.
0: Yep. I am a soil test guy. I, I definitely go out there and test it. You know, I I never yet have gone to the recommendations. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I can't dump a thousand dollars of fertilizer yeah, out, out was, there,
1: man. Especially now. Holy! <laughs> mo- I was there. I, I went to tractor supply and. I was like, man, I'm going to just do a little food plot behind my house. I always do it, and I never hunt it because I just like to see deer out there. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the liquid fertilizer, and I was like – well, hopefully that soil test comes back good because yeah. that's not getting that.
0: Yeah, so. so no, no. Now I'm I'm really into the you know the no-till and the soil building processes. Okay. You know some of the green manure and release processes. Um, so that's how I'm trying to combat that. You know to try not to use chemicals and fertilizers if I don't have to. So.
1: And, and you you just say like you were using your own manure and all that from your. your no, uh-huh. so like the
0: green manure is like so. Um, Everybody knows jester Just Whitetail Habitat Solutions, yeah. um, Habitat Solutions 360. There's a, a bunch of Habitat people out there way smarter than I am, way more experienced than I have uh, with different things, um, different blends of items that you plant early season, you know, that are basically a, a smother crop or a cover crop and a builder at the same time. Right. So you crimp it or roll it or whatever and kill it to help. That's what I'm, I'm doing. Okay. So like this year, this particular year, I did buckwheat. Okay. Uh, it's, Oh, I think this is the sixth or seventh time, so six or seven years that I've done buckwheat not in a row. I've done random things in between sunflower and sorghums and some other things just to add, you know, difference, try things different. How did the, the sunflower that. turn out? Um, actually, I was, I've done sunflower plots and I've been amazed that the deer actually Mow them things down really? pretty
1: good yeah they like
0: them when the when the heads aren't quite open up they'll eat them then okay and then of course once they're fully like the seeds start to dry out and the heads start to lean over they'll come in for the, the sunflower really? seeds themselves so
1: is it a lot of work for that i mean do you have to do any upkeep on the sunflower or anything? i don't know i
0: don't i don't get that crazy with it you know i'm uh-huh. like <clears throat> i try to do the buckwheat for a other crop to cut right. out as much weed as possible right. and it's it's worked really well of course you're gonna have sections that don't work out the way you want it and stuff. And I, I am spraying, spraying glyphosate, you know, to try to yeah. kill stuff. I'm, a, I'm trying to work my way out of yeah. that.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people, too, with a, uh, they go, they spray their their killer and all that on there, and then they till it up, and then they get so much more weed. Well, you're just
0: dumping out the weeds weed bank, the seed yeah. bank.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people don't And I was a victim to that, too. I was like, what the hell? I killed everything. And when you <laughs> do that, I'm like, what's going on? And then I learned that, like, when you do that. You're just bringing all the yeah. seed bank and all, that and even
0: up. even not tilling, you still should spray a couple of times a year to get rid of you know weeds and late late growing stuff before your yeah. your food plot and stuff. So, so
1: what's what's your windows of time you're planting stuff? I mean, it sounds like you're planting multiple times a year, right? Kind of like early season. Yeah. So
0: buckwheat specifically, I'm I'm normally mid June. Okay. Is when I'll go and broadcast and and um, get that out, and then that you know just. Let it go. Right. And it does its deal. It's a little slow to get started, but once it gets up 10, 12 inches or so, it shoots up quick. You know, right. every rain, it gets up there quick. So it'll eventually shade everything out. Um, and then uh, early August is when I'm bra- broadcasting into that buckwheat. So, like, I did mine August 8th or something like that this year, you know, to, to put it into it and then crimp it. Um, Great time because it.
1: we just got a ton of rain. Yeah. So.
0: And that's what I, I always look for, too. And that's been... You know something I've done since I learned a long time ago when I did some clover plots and had some failures, is that is the most pivotal thing. It, I would rather spread my seed uh, right before rain, a known rain is coming, than oh it's got to be the first or second week of August. If right. there's no rain those two weeks, I'll push it to this you know third week of August. Right. And I'll look for those rain events and do it because I have had too many failures in the past from I'm just going to spread it because I got time. Right. And then the turkeys wipe them out, you know, yeah. that you know all that kind of stuff wipes the seeds out that's broadcasted and not tilled in, of course. So, yeah, you know, it's really driving on the rain. And same with the buckwheat, same right. thing. You know, right. If you get a good rainstorm coming, you can move it forward or backward. But I, I think I made a little bit of a mistake this year with the buckwheat. I went up probably a week too early um, because it was a little bit too tall you know it oh. was it was up above my stomach oh, okay broadcasting into it was a little tough right so i, I want to do it a, a, probably mid-june to plant the buckwheat from now on to try to but give it less uh, ground like less time
1: it, we're sometimes we were just at mercy with the weather you know yeah. sometimes it's, we have like a late spring and this year it's, our spring was so wet at yeah. the beginning of it yep. it was nuts how wet and I seen. I remember on Fourth of July there were some cornfields, and I even bumped my shinned and wow. all that, and wow. around here because I wet, and they couldn't get in. If you didn't have a tiled, uh, yeah,
0: wet ground hard it, to get on.
1: Yeah, it was just so wet up yeah. here. So, man, now it just makes me want to do some more food plots, but it's kind of getting late. I mean, there's a little bit of time. I think I'm gonna you still try. Got time. I think we got time. I think by time this, I hopefully I can release this episode tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, I think you have time if it, even in them little little plots. I I think them little kill plots are yeah. You know. So I mean,
0: people listening that think their food plot season is too late. Cereal rye. Oh really? Cereal rye is fantastic, and I've used it several times on years that I've had either failures or I've waited too long and I and I've missed that. You know. So uh, one thing that I learned from the past that you'll hear from a lot of people is. Make sure you distinguish cereal rye and cereal, or rye grass. They're not the same. Okay. So cereal rye, you can put out, and I and I do this on all my food plots. If there's bald spots or if there's a section that's failed or whatever, I'll top dress with 100 pounds of cereal rye per acre and then come in. You know, that's normally in like Labor Day weekend. Right. So you got time right now. You yeah. could spray something right now, kill it all off, and be ready for Labor Day weekend yeah. to go put rye on. And then- Uh, like a week before october get out there and 100 another 100 pounds of rye and it's cheap it's relatively cheap right yeah and it grows on you can grow it on concrete yeah yeah that stuff is really yeah
1: it's impossible
0: yep and it goes in a lot of different soil conditions so you want it heavy. You know, the point of that is a is a carpet. You know, you want right. it thick. And, then, like, I've done a few of my timber trails in yeah. that. So it's just a thick mat, and right. it is, it's pretty good. And that stuff
1: lasts pretty – it lasts to, like, probably mid-November no, or longer, well, all right? All winter. Yeah. It's green
0: all winter. So, Over. I mean, of course, there's times where they'll stop hitting it because yeah. there's other preferred food sources. Yeah. But you get into that later winter, and my trails will be beat down to nothing. Really? You know, from so many deer tracks to come to that fresh, you know, green. That's the only thing that's really green and, and – late December right yeah
1: so yeah well we can probably move into this more of a I guess kind of break down your style I mean what's your what's the way you like to set up on you know if you I mean let's kind of just go from the early season are you scouting or are you kind of I mean you're kind of almost there you know a lot with just doing stuff around the house so I mean
0: yeah but you know I I don't I don't limit myself in velvet season to my property because if you're if you're putting stock in everything that's happening right now on your property, you're you're in trouble because it's just not accurate for hunting season. Right. You really need to be looking at the surrounding areas and don't start patterning a deer. As, as, excuse me. In my opinion, don't start patting a deer right now. Oh. Don't yeah. waste your time. It's going to change. A lot of people get all antsy. I've seen this buck on my trail camera a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's August. They're going to change. Yeah. But so I look. You know, I like to drive my truck around and I, I call it my velvet tours you know in yeah. the morning I might get up a half hour early uh, and go drive around the area and I, and I know all the alfalfa fields all the bean fields and where I can get to some things and of course it helps to know some of the local farmers that let me go down their two tracks right. you know on glass and stuff like that so I can look at some more stuff but uh yeah big part of it right now is just inventory yeah just checking it out see what's around knowing that hey a buck a mile away could easily end up at my place in the fall so i just i just get excited by knowing there's something in the area that's you know worth shooting and and then i move into uh you know i'd pretty much do that all summer long and i won't go into my stuff to really like scout until the middle of september okay i'm not i don't push my stuff at all i want them to feel as comfortable as possible with little intrusion right now i don't feel like the information is good enough to go in there and get after it yeah so i'll wait until september or so to to get in there and try to get an early season something figured out and obviously that last week of september if you got a a buck pattern on a bean field pretty good chances that first week he's going to continue on to that right once they smell a couple humans yeah. i think that's when that summer pattern goes away quick that first week of october
1: yeah i mean in your area does <clears throat> is opening day of archery pretty big on you uh, down there i mean no not really yeah. no i mean most of the guys that i know
0: around no they're you know they're kind of like me I'll, i might go out once or twice depending on what weather is going on if it's a nice cool crisp morning or something or a, a decent afternoon but uh i don't get too crazy about it i kind of let everybody around start pushing some pressure on their stuff yeah. and kind of you know some of them figure it out and they start coming to my property by mid-october and then i'll kind of know at that point mm. i get after them a little bit
1: i think that was a huge point for me last year because it was opening day and I, I was like this is horrible you know it was horrible like wind and everything for me i was like no i'm not going to do it yep. and i think that was like a sh- huge thing cuz like then we had a huge cold front like 7 or like 6 days later and that, i didn't capitalize on anything but it it really changed like just because you can hunt it doesn't mean you should hunt it yeah, agreed. so yeah yeah
0: you know like you hear the old saying you can't kill him from the couch i I don't know about that saying because that's actually been how I've changed my hunting over the years is I do pick and choose certain days. You know, of course there's always those, you know what, I can go out today. I'm going to go to this stand. It's not as high quality of a stand or a chance, but, uh, yeah. You're, I try you're to
1: still pick, looking uh, at all the winds and yeah. stuff. And, oh yeah. And, and you're just like, yeah, I can go out there and I can probably not do anything, you know. But I'm out in the tree. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's
0: like, that's, that's what I'm really out there for is, right. you know, the, the solitude and the relaxing and stuff. So. Yeah, it's, you know, that's how I, I like to, you know, go into season. Um, you know, I had a, a really, really nice buck. Uh, I wound up shooting at 10-point, 147-inch, just monster brows. You know, I think one of them was 9 inches. You know, for my oh. area, just massive. It was only one. You know, the other side was still, like, 6 inches. But, you know, the one, I, I called him dagger 9 because the year before he was a 9-point. And then the next year he split that or pushed out that tenth point so he was a 10 Got him on a, a trail camera on the edge of a cornfield, and I started watching him and seeing him all the time in velvet, you know, and like my property, the neighbor's property, a week later, the other neighbor's property. So he was really in that area. And then all of a sudden, I just started getting picture after picture after picture of, on like every camera, I should have really like, named him Hollywood or something, right? Yeah. So I started really diving into this deer, how this deer used my farm, how it used my swamp, how it was using the fence rows. And I. You know, at the cost of sounding arrogant, was like, I know this deer. I know what he's gonna do when the weather, when the wind switches this way, it's gonna do it. Then he disappeared for a few weeks, and I'm like, holy shit, what happened? Then he showed back up, and on my wife's birthday, I told her, I'm like, <laughs> I said, I'm, I, this is it. Like the wind direction, the cold front, like everything's lining up. And she's like, yeah, go for it. You know, she loves that I love hunting, so she's not terrible about it, and. I'm like, all right, I'm going. And sure as hell, I get a chance at this buck. I I don't wind up shooting it this night, but... There was a limb, and I just thought that my my limb of my bow would hit that limb, and I just said, I just can't take that risk at that at this buck. I, I, I'm going to get another chance at it. So, of course, I had it on video. My wife's like, what the hell? Like, I let you go. Here's your chance. You, don't, <laughs> you know, you don't shoot it. Yeah. Uh, fast forward another, like, week or so, something like that, and I said the same thing. I said, honey, here it is. These conditions are back. He's going to be back in front of this stand. I wasn't out there. It was a morning. You know, it was like daybreak comes. Here he comes, just like I, you know, had told him to do. Yeah. I was like six-yard shot. Jesus. Fell and maybe 15, 20 from my tree. Like, oh, man. I mean, it was every dream you could ever imagine on bow hunting, you know. I was like, yeah. this all happened? And I remember, like, of course, you know, the euphoria, of first off, a shot of a Pope and Young. Yeah. That's a huge deal in, in my book because that's what I try to do every year. That's my goal. That's a
1: good standard. I think that that's yeah. a good yeah, That's a respectable deer. Anything yeah. over 125, yeah. I think, is real.
0: Yep, and that's, that's my goal every year. And uh, so I, I get this thing. I call a buddy. He he actually ditches work, comes home, helps me, you know, drag this thing out because he knew the story of this thing. And, uh, and I remember getting done with that and feeling, uh, I don't know, it was just weird. Like, I almost feel weird I just shot my pet. Yeah. Like, that's how well I knew that deer. Yeah. And that kind of changed how I hunt. You know, now I, I'll i pattern deer. I don't pattern a deer. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, I don't know. It just kind of changed hunting for me a little bit. It was like, I I didn't like that feeling. You know, it was just, it felt like I had cheated. Like oh, this really? deer had no chance because I, I truly felt like I knew what he was going to do. Yeah. And, and wound up doing it. So I said, you know, that's going to change how I look. So now I, I do. I pattern deer as a whole instead of, you know, a singular deer. So that's how I look at it.
1: Yeah. Do you think it was the name? Do you think naming your deer was? Because there's a big controversy, like, oh, you never name a deer or anything like that. Cause...
0: I'm not huge in name naming deer, so yeah. maybe, Yeah. maybe, but watching him for so many years prior to, you know, at least two years I knew it was him just because of the, the brow and the way it stood up, and then having so many videos and trail cameras and like documenting exactly what he was doing with what wind and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. I think it just was, I think it was it was just so intimate. That's, yeah. That was what got me on it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Was that on your own property? It was, you, yeah. Wow. That's uh, mm-hmm. got to be such a, yeah. Maybe it was the fact that like after it was done, you're like, what's next? And like, that's
0: exactly, I remember like now what?
1: Yeah. Like, like
0: there was other nice ones out there that were clearly a shot, but it just, I don't know. It was weird. Cause it was, it was almost like a letdown. Like, yeah you should be really, really happy with this right now. Right. And I was, don't get me wrong. Like, right. I'm not trying to, you know, be that guy. Like I was like super happy with it and, yeah. you know, got him mounted and everything and still look at it and yeah and very excited about it. But it it was, it was almost like,
1: hmm. Yeah. I mean, and
0: oh my, the chase is gone.
1: Yeah. The cha- I mean, that's the moment we always, you know, that's what I live for is just that, that split second, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll, I'll turn down other deer just to chase, and, and I, that's why I feel like I always tell people like because I don't use a gun a lot anymore and uh like I'm just chasing a different high. It's just like the feeling of when you beat or win mm-hmm. like because I yeah I can shoot him like 130 yards or whatever and but the feeling like you six yards away yeah. you were you could have jumped on his back
0: on a five and a half year old in Michigan you yeah know what I mean? that's like. Yeah, that's uh, an accomplishment yeah, for you, anyone. You won. You won the game of yeah, chess. Yeah. You
1: went to his living room mm-hmm. and and beat him. It was
0: uh, it was almost to the point where I think I know what bushes he was betting in. Yeah, like, the, you know, I, you know, you hear about a lot of guys those buck beds and stuff. Like, I really do believe like that was his bedroom, and that's what I got him like yeah. fifteen yards in front of his bedroom.
1: And, and that's I mean, <clears throat> and there's some people like. I hear people like, Oh, I had him locked down. It sounds like you yeah. just basically wrote his documentary and it, and it it's a sweet ending, but it's it's really not funny, but it's like like you said, like now what? So mm. It was bittersweet. It yeah. really truly was. Yeah. yeah. And how wh- when uh when was this like uh time frame? Did you kill him? Like November November or
0: when I wound up finally getting him it was no he was on November seventh. Oh wow. Yes, yes. yeah. So
1: yep. you still have some season and you just go, man, i did you think about just like ending it there? No, no, no. no. no you I, know, I,
0: I am a proponent of either one buck, or you know, or restrictions. Uh, just just because of how I hunt, and that's how I would do you know hunting anyways.
1: So so your restriction would be a bigger buck from that. Yeah, or?
0: yeah. You know, like a four point on both sides. Or, I don't know. Yeah, right. There's the arguments out there for everyone on whatever they want, but it's your property you can do whatever you want and and you know what and i still have that mentality you buy your tags it's your deer i don't care but this is my property right so it's just what i want to do right um but uh yeah i was like i got another tag i got deer season left like now of course i'm going. it's got to be a, a, a giant, you yeah. know, it's got to be a nice one or I'm not going to shoot it. And I did let some really nice, you know, bucks go and never, never pulled the trigger on them and said, but, hey. You got to do that sometime. A couple of years from now and they, they might be the ones that I'm lucky enough to tag yeah. or something. So. Do
1: you, do you uh, hunt does on your property? Oh, yet? absolutely, yeah. yeah. Is there is there a certain that. time frame? Because, like, you know, they always say, a lot of people like, oh, it's like the first two weeks of October. And then after that, it's like not till late season. Or, you, or some people like no late season because they're, you know potentially pregnant so
0: i mean that is one of the reasons why i do hunt late season yeah i'm not i don't like to go out there in the early season i don't want to put the pressure on my ground for one i don't want to deal with a deer when it's 80 for two yeah for sure. i mean i i've got my own butcher shop and walk in and stuff but i just i just don't want to take that risk either you know so I, that's one another reason why i wait a couple of weeks into october to really kind of gear up and get going um but end of season late season uh, you know extended doe i'm out there whacking and stacking and That's and, and it's sometimes i do look at it that way you know maybe it's wrong i don't know but i am very fortunate to have a pile of deer in my area there is a lot of those yeah. a lot
1: and you know it sounds like you're doing everything right i mean deer management you you gotta take you do you, you gotta take from both yeah, sides you, you can't yep. you know if you, and i've told you the problem with my one lease like we have an overabundance of does and we can't do nothing about it it's just like it's like that area is almost ruined yeah. if, if i didn't visually see big class bucks and like 150s 160s and i, I just seen like three quarters on three quarters of a mile down the road at 170 mm-hmm. plus i and you know i could be off by a couple inches but like if i didn't see that i'd tell this property i wouldn't even lease it out yeah. anymore and the price is so right for this lease it's kind of like he's stealing
0: them. yeah there's yeah. a few studies out there you know in one of the nda courses that i went through was you know talking about like what doe pressure just doe family groups and what that does for mature bucks and i never knew it in the past but looking back and over the course of since i have learned it, it's real though they don't like that pressure no so if you have a pile of does sure come rut you might bring in a buck luckily here yeah. or there or whatever as they come into heat but you know the rest of the season they don't really want that pressure. They don't want that many deer no. around them, you know, big, big mature deer. Yeah. They're, so that's another reason to kind of limit your, 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 doe population you know the, again the adage is uh does today are here to stay or something like that and, and i kind of believe that like when they live next to my bean field and i watch that same group come out every oh, god yeah. dang night
1: okay i know what you mean you know, I, I thought you were talking about like don't kill those oh uh, no no yeah. no
0: no i mean yeah. like you know once they set a home they're kind of in that area yeah, yeah, of course yeah. not traveling like every that. other yep. deer right but their core is much tighter yeah much for smaller. sure for sure so I, i've learned that over the years you know like everybody else has said and and I do believe that taking some of those larger alpha does out, well, for sure. And is they a re- big deal
1: if you ever get blown by one. Yeah, I get it. That yeah, that nanny will remember that tree to yes. the day. They teach I,
0: everything around it.
1: That tree. <laughs> I and I, I don't, dude. There was one time last year. Uh, was it last year or two years ago? Whatever. Uh, this doe unfortunate event, big buck behind her probably 130 140 buck i was gonna shoot it it comes by and the stick falls down right on this right on this fucking right there right on a nanny and she just fucking looks right at my tree i'm like what and even that, you it wasn't even me i was like in the doe i mean the buck right behind her and she blows at me she boogers the the buck didn't really go but he went he outskirted yeah. it and that. that and i was in the ladder stand that doe i was downwind. not you know she was upwind for me she was like a hundred yards away and i didn't even move and i had seen that doe and she started blowing at me i was yeah. like how did you even see me yeah it was nuts man they can remember nothing so, I,
0: I agree with that as soon as a dough blows at me it's it's marked yeah you know, and, I, and i'll try to remember it if possible but obviously they look very similar but yeah if i get a chance i i try to take yep. it out especially late season i I go out there and you know I donate uh, a few deer a year to the uh, Michigan Hunters Against Hunger. Oh, that's, that's something cool. that I've been kind of you know big into, and that's one of the reasons why when I can go out and shoot three or four does and and take them to the program, all I pay for is the tag, and then the processing is all taken yeah. care of by them. So. You know, I'm helping out myself, you know, by taking some deer off. And, of course, helping out yeah. my father-in-law and the farmer by taking some pressure off their, their ag from the deer, mowing it down. And, of course, I get to have a good time. You know, I get to have buddies come out and, uh, you know, we, we have a good time blacking some does. Yeah.
1: Uh, what do you think the ratio is at your place around, you know, is it?
0: I'd have to guess we got to be somewhere around that six to one, eight to one. I mean, it's still high. Yeah. It's still high i'd like to take you know this year i think we're probably going to take six to ten does that's good got to kind of get some of them out uh take the pressure off and get some of the deer down so
1: yeah and you're not in the cwd zone right uh, jackson county is oh yeah. is it yeah no? yep yep yeah so you can fucking whack and stack
0: yeah you know that's the thing it's like if i didn't have the hunters against hunger i wouldn't shoot nearly as many you know what right. i
1: mean like it, it's got to go to a good
0: thing for me of course I, i'll give uh a, father-in-law or sister-in-law or something a deer and then we go through two or three a year yeah of our own so the meat always gets used in some fashion that
1: that's i always give if i shoot one i always give like a doe or whatever meat to my grand grandpa Mm because he's just an older guy and he doesn't go out anymore but he was he always pays pays for the process and so basically you know i mean he just wants a doe and and i think it's necessary absolutely yeah on that uh to donate to that, is it just a certain place? Is there certain like hubs you donate to that? Yeah, or? there is
0: certain places. Don't get me wrong, I don't know all of them. Right. Um, in my area, I'm pretty sure Beef Barn is still one. And then I take mine to Jerome. Uh, that's where we take our cattle and pigs and stuff to get okay. butchered at. So I'm I'm comfortable taking the stuff there. Like I said, I process the deer myself, so okay, I don't I don't worry about you know taking them in to process elsewhere, but. Yeah, that's where I take mine to get donated.
1: Yeah, you just donate, uh, you just basically give them your tag and with yeah, me. show up
0: with the deer and the tag, and they write it all down, and yep, and then they give you you know your little thing to cover your butt with your tag, and right, and
1: you're on your way. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's a sweet program. I've never never uh, utilized that program, and I think, it, I think there's another one. I'm trying to remember. I think there's one around here, but yeah, that's definitely a sweet program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people like you that donate to that i mean that's yeah so
0: if you got a couple of those you, you know you, you want to take a few but you don't want to waste the meat that's a great program to donate to okay yeah, like, yeah. hey, you co- of course it costs you your tag costs you don't get reimbursed for that but
1: i mean it's 20 bucks for yeah. tag i mean you spo- sp- blow that on a friday night easily i right? was gonna say i buy more <laughs> money in beef jerky than that <laughs> there in a, you go. In day. right? gas station food holy shit man <laughs> so um so we basically broke down that so trying not to say so so much but i'm saying a lot so <laughs> when when you get to a point where you know you're doing all this management and all that i mean is i don't want to call it a security blanket but is it kind of tough to leave that to, to if you ever want to venture out yeah Any, i mean
0: yeah absolutely 100 yeah definitely it is uh yeah you know because again at the risk of sounding arrogant I feel like I have my area known well you know right. obviously every year it changes with crop rotation we talked about that how yeah. it can how it can change their movements and stuff but I kind of have a, an idea of how they're gonna use the area based off the crop rotations mm. um but yeah knowing that I've got a pretty good chance that stuff in a 140 150 it's pretty hard to go I'm go out to state land and see the pots and pans lady again you know yeah. so and then of course same thing with going out of state you yeah. know I I don't know I just uh Out of state for whitetail hasn't drawn me yet. I don't know why. Just maybe because I I feel like I got a pretty good place, you know, of my own now. And I don't want to pay for a whitetail hunt somewhere else. Although it's very attractive. Like it sounds really fun to go out with a group of guys and do a hunt like that. Like that sounds just awesome. But, uh. You know, if I'm going out of state, I think I'm going for something else, you know what I mean? Something I can't get here in the yeah. state of Michigan, and I, I think that's what I'm kind of gearing up to. I've been putting in preference points for Wyoming for a long time to try to make that my my bucket hunt, you know, where I go out and just, you know, hunt elk. Yeah, I, I got mule deer, antelope, you know, those are pretty easy to get. So I'm just waiting to be able to get out there and, yeah, and that's,
1: do it. That's my favorite place in the world. Wyoming, I if I could tell anybody, if you want to, like... I go out there. I just bear hunt out there. I haven't got my points yet for elk and all that. Maybe I think I got two more years on elk. But uh, I say, if you want to go out and kill a bear, go to Canada. You know what I mean? But if you want to go out for adventure, go to Wyoming. That, that is the most beautiful place in the world. I had man. Just a buddy
0: of mine went out there. I've got it six, eight, ten years ago, whatever it was. And he's been going out like every other year since. And he's been trying to get me to come forever. So I just kept putting in preference points, putting in preference right. points. Just to know that when i'm when i'm ready to go i'm getting everything i need to get yeah. you know kind of things so.
1: yeah you can get, get some big some muleys or in some areas like i think it's like maybe seven eight points but there's some monsters yeah. out there yeah.
0: man. and i'd be that you know if i'm going i'm going with my bow too yeah like even though i've never been i'd have no clue what i'm doing i'd probably fail miserably but this year just want to do it with my bow would you know yeah. would be what I would I you should.
1: do all diy yeah. yeah oh yeah
0: yeah i'm not, i don't know man to me th- having guides and stuff it's not that it's any less it's just not my cup of tea you know yeah. and i kind of want to go out there and and just figure it out or fail one of
1: the two yeah and, and go I mean, there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. i mean i mean th- there's a lot of people that do it and i think that's some kind of a driving factor be like wow i just got my ass kicked <laughs> i'm going back i'm gonna yeah I've re- yeah, yeah
0: absolutely yeah, yeah. nice
1: so no whitetail out of state. No. Nope. Yeah, it does get appealing when you see some of these people just whacking some like one. Oh yeah,
0: 180s. absolutely. You go to the Dreamland states, you know, you watch some of that stuff.
1: It's like oh yeah, man.
0: yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I just I I think yeah. I'd be I'd be out after other stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's and 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 like I tell people like I'm not getting no younger. Like I can maybe I hopefully can take the mountains man i'm 60 but i don't after that man it's gonna be rough right you know yeah, oh absolutely so, so you gotta do time. stuff like i can do i can probably do whitetails when i'm like 70 hopefully hopefully i had a time. i had a guy on the podcast uh, his name is uh dana brackens and uh he's seven, oh, i don't even want to, he's 70 years old and he hunts out of a, a saddle and out of a and with a bow still wow that's yeah, awesome dude, the guy's goals you know, Dude, yeah, the guy That's is a straight idol, spray. dude. He's killing it too. So, yeah. So when we, when you are going, I mean, what was the biggest achievement you think, besides killing the deer, about owning your own land? I mean, what what was the best, you know, point of, you know, was it the habitat to, you know, management side of it, or was it like? It, we didn't say that the investment and all that i mean what were you looking the most to get out of that i mean was it just to create bigger deer you think i mean that selfishly that was yeah. that was one of
0: my goals but it wasn't my top goal you know my top goal with buying property was um family security right um i do you know i'm not like that uh total off the wall or you know self-sufficient uh, right you know waiting for the emp bomb to go off or whatever you know but i do enjoy growing my own food so we have a large garden we raise a lot of chickens to sell and stuff like that Uh, a bunch of egg laying chickens you know i wanted that experience for my kids you know the same experience i grew up in in the country farming lifestyle so that was really more of the goal was that and then of course because deer hunting is my number one passion outside of you know every family um that was that was my selfish want of all of this was definitely a a playground for me you know because I did find at my grandpa's when I got to mess with some stuff and and put some clover plots in and kind of mess with cutting trees down and all that kind of stuff that I really enjoyed it so I wanted to have a little playground here and do a ton of research so I've taken some NDA stewardship classes uh, working on getting some of that stuff accomplished and and learn from some of the best in the business at wildlife habitat you know I want it to be prosperous for all wildlife so I'm looking to be pretty diverse on what I'm doing,
1: and you did this all to, for your own management. Yeah, of your just land. for me. That's yeah, crazy. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, just for my love for it, you know. And of course, a couple of buddies um, in the in the past have bought a couple of pieces of property, and they're like, you know, hey man, like, what do you think about this? I'm like, I just Remember, I'm not an expert at any of this. Expert. And They're like, yeah, it don't matter. I want your opinion. So we, you would go out and we've mess around with some stuff and i give them something you know, oh this is what i would do but you can do whatever you want right. kind of thing you know and a few of them have done it and uh one of my buddies has like stuck to my plan like to a t and he's he's been pretty successful so that's
1: that's sweet it's been nice so in that sense what would be if you could tell anybody what would and they had a piece of property they could do whatever they want what do you think that the biggest impact for the better deer management what do you think would be if you could pick one thing. So I guess this is kind of a two parter for me. So that's fine. so if you want to
0: say like you personally hunt smarter. Okay. Watch your wind. Okay. And how you access that piece of property. But for habitat and to draw and or hold deer, a food plot. Just I mean a food plot? they're a slave to their stomachs and that's what's driving them. Yeah. 24/7 365 their will to survive in their stomach. And Just from the pieces that I've done over the years, the food plot has made the biggest impact the fastest. But then you have to continue to build off that. You know, you can't go, I got a half acre food plot, now I'm going to see every booner in the county. Yeah, Yeah. It's not happening. He might run through there every now and then to give you that chance because you put it there. Right. But if you start to, um, you know, the feathered edge technique that they talk about, that's been huge on my ag ground. Cutting some of that timber out that's right on the edge and start getting some of those, um, uh, you know, brush and, and grasses, native stuff up to soften that edge, that is huge for how deer use your property. And, and it, it kind of funnels them and puts them right in your lap because you know they're going to run that edge.
1: Okay. And with, so you're basically saying clear-cut. I mean, how deep are we going? Not even
0: clear-cutting. You're, well, you're, you're pretty much select-cutting and trying to get that canopy open and okay. or get rid of some of the just competing, um, you know – it, it Again, I'm not an expert on this, but most of mine that I've done are like 50 to 75 yards. Okay. So that that way, you know, I can sit on the edge of it and I can get into the mature timber if they're running that inside edge, depending on the wind or into that um, early successional growth on the outside, depending on really what your wind is doing and how the deer are using your area based off of where they're trying to go. A to B is going to dictate what they're using and why they're using
1: it and when do you do that does that make it a little bit thicker the undergrowth and all that yeah
0: it puts it at their browse level okay you know so so many people i've seen a lot of people doing this hinge cutting and they're hinge cutting them super high you know so the deer can bed under them i've had terrible luck with high hinge cutting Um, i don't really even personally like the hinge cuts because i like that that uh, cover literally right at you know your chest level, right. you know, your 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 ragweeds, your golden rods, all that kind of stuff is prime cover at their site.
1: Right, and I think some people are just like, hey, I, I was told the hinge cut. They're just doing it a hinge cut. You're like, hey, what are you doing? What what happens after you hinge yeah. cut? I don't know. It just that's what they and told don't get
0: me. me wrong. It's got its places. Yeah, for sure. There are definitely places where there, it's needed uh, for you know browse and cover. Yeah,
1: and you need and you kind of need to know. Like I don't even know. I I don't do it because I don't know. Right. Cause, I mean, yes, there will be a little bit of like a, a like a thermal shield or whatever. That, you know, but I'm not gonna just go out there and whack fucking a hundred trees. Destroy just,
0: your 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 land. Destroy yeah. It.
1: Just because I just heard, somebody told me to. Yeah. Uh, right. Hinge cut. That's what you do. I mean, so.
0: So the only and, the only hinge cutting that I've I. I use myself as more of directional um, funneling of the deer. You okay. know, if I like, so the, the thing that's sticking out in my head is I have a creek bottom that the deer, of course, like to run against that creek. Well, there's a section of the of the ground that gets pretty thick, and they'll just start sp- spider webbing off. Well, I, I didn't want them to do that. I needed them to go a little bit further, so I hinge cut into that, so that they they can't get into that. They got to kind of walk past it okay. before they can cut in. Well, then I know that they're they're literally coming right to my lap. All right. And then I have a good shot when, you know, when that funnel opens up. Yeah, so. for sure.
1: But, uh. And you, you're, I mean, you're basically doing that yeah as a funnel. So you ain't yeah. doing it for like any of the wheel, the right. wind b- breaks and all no, that stuff. No, no, not
0: doing it for bedding. You know, most of the time I, I don't want the deer bedding, you know, in certain places. But it's got its uses for bedding. It's got its uses for everything. But I use it more for just travel, travel yeah. corridors. Um, and it's worked for me. I've done it a few times. Uh, I don't use it a lot because I. I don't want to just go hack and whack yeah. trees either. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, getting, you know, back to that edge feathering, that has been, I'm going to, honestly, I'm going to say 90% of the deer that I've killed over the last decade have come in that zone of edge feathering.
1: Uh, so actually hunting the field edges and, yeah. and then the timber edges is actually.
0: Yeah, those big mature bucks really like to just sit in there, right. you know, look out over that field. They might not move for 30 minutes, but you know they'll they'll move back and forth 50, 60 yards in that that early sectional growth because they feel nice and nice and uh, you know covered and and good right. and secure and and you put that stand in that that location and it's a good little good little way to to get them out staging if you will before they hit those ag fields. So yeah. and that's why I use my food plots for also is that uh, you know um, MSU Deer Labs talks about the. the five feedings in a day for deer and that feeding right after they get up for bedding all day is they, they they crave the greens you know they crave the high moisture content thing so that's why I put them right there right, right on that that feathered edge so that they're going to hit that browse through it fill their bellies a little bit and then go out to those large ag fields so it gives me good chances at at uh getting a shot at them
1: yeah how many times have you killed a buck or deer i mean i would say more buck in the actual open ag,
0: two or three times. Yeah, it's not. I and, and I'll and I'll say each one of those has been on a dough. Right. The doughs pulled them out to that open ag.
1: Right. It's not. And and you know. I don't know. Sometimes in my eyes, I see that sense of they don't want to when they hit that edge. Oh yeah, they're looking. They're like no. Mm-hmm. But you know, sometimes they're thinking with a different head.
0: Absolutely. And I understand.
1: <laughs> I understand. But like they're just like. Yep. So like you said, like that edge is just so powerful, and and sometimes that's my my weakness. I think on the edge because like sometimes I'm like I should go into the woods. Nah, I should I should stick on the edge. I think I so, so sometimes that. it's a double edged sword for me and some, you know, everything's situational and, uh, you know, so, but like sometimes I'm like, ah, just like that edge too much.
0: Yeah. I'm a, I'm a transitional zone hunter. That's, that's what I do. I don't hunt in the, in the heart of the bedding and I don't hunt right on my food. I I always hunt in between those points. I'm always at B not A or C and that's been what I feel my key to success. I'm no longer pressuring a deer on the food plots. Um, by shooting them or just poking them or whatever, um, and then I'm not getting too deep into their betting. You know, don't get me wrong, I'll, late season, I'm pushing it. I'm, I'm getting right up close to their where I perceive their betting at. But uh, I really like that transition zone where they're going to sit and hang out. That's why I like that feathered edge. That's why I like that red osier right outside of their betting to keep them to kind of browse and mill, feel comfortable while that sun's coming up or going down.
1: Right. And we're playing winds and all that. Are you doing – Anything with your thermals or you're checking your thermals or are you kind of not doing that No, game not
0: or? in my area. Thermals just don't come into a factor much. I mean, of course, in mornings, you know, right. you're know, you going to have times where they're going to, but it's not hill country. You right. know, my highest elevation change is probably 150 feet. So okay. it's, it's not strong. You'll get them, but I don't personally put a lot of effort into worrying about the, the thermals too much. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And are you more of a morning or afternoon guy? Depends on the time of year.
0: Okay. Pre-rut morning. Okay. yeah. Yep. Pre-rut's my morning, early season's afternoon, late season's afternoon.
1: Okay. Yeah. And you have a lot of, you, you were talking about the, to your know, access, your access and all that. You're making it a point to have the best access points and all that. Tonight. I will
0: go a mile out of my way to have the best access. Yeah, right. Yes. And that has totally changed how the farm hunts. You know, I used to just, man, hey, this is easy. Yeah, right. And get in my stand and, oh, man, I saw five deer, but why am I not seeing anything good? Right. You know, or, any, you know, that kind of stuff. And, yes, I have 100% found out that access is critical and I will go a long way out of my way to sneak in behind. You know, like we brought up my alfalfa fields, they're just pounding them. You know they're just pounding them early season, and I know that I can go out and around the cornfield to the farthest side, cut up that edge, and cut it an into my swamp from the backside and not come near any of them. But if I really wanted to, I could come, you know, eight in, eight rows into the corn and kind of cut right straight down through. But my odds of bumping them are much higher. Right. So going around, keeping the wind out of anything that I'm going to hunt, uh, is is a key. You know, I don't think a lot of people are putting access into their calculations that you know they're thinking the scent is minimal intrusion yeah it's not
1: yeah i think a lot of times it's just like simple okay my truck's here and my stand's right here i'm just walking yep straight line yes. so there's yep. no
0: like I, I use i use those crowns and hills too like in the of course alfalfa fields or hayfield you got to use some fields to your to get to where you need to go and i'll use that to not skyline myself you know, cut at the bottom of that valley, just like deer do, you know, the deer are going to do the same thing. So I kind of use that train to my advantage also. Right. And
1: are you putting a lot of uh, pre-hung stands up or are you constantly moving them or are you doing the mobile thing? Pretty much
0: everything I have is pre-hung, but I, I'll move. I'm, I'm not a saddle hunter. I am very attracted by that, but I just haven't made the jump because I've got so many you know fixed stands, yeah. That I, I'm already in bed with so many of them, um, but yeah, I move, of course. Every year, the deer shift, you know, here right. or there a little ways, 100 yards this way or 100 yards that way. So, yeah, I, I move quite a bit and I'm not afraid. Actually, I think three that I have mounted, um, all came after I moved a stand and then like the next day, you know, I right. move it this day and then the very next day, I go hunt it and I and I shoot a nice buck you know I, I do believe them first couple of hunts out of a stand is your best opportunities
1: yeah for sure and then on when you're moving these are you just like are you are you getting information or anything or is it kind of like okay i seen them kind of coming over the hill or whatever or like i see them transitioning right here yeah so i'm,
0: I'm a huge journal guy
1: oh okay huge
0: like probably ocd when it comes to it like like
1: if somebody found your notebook they they would think it's like potentially a log for somebody stalking somebody
0: oh yeah like (laughs) i mean i mean you would know right away yeah just by reading it but yeah it's it's borderline insane truthfully (laughs) because you know i'm sitting out there and and i I used to carry notebooks and i'd I'd jot stuff down and of course with the cell phones and their notebooks in them i jot it down and i'd get down like super granular of course of course a lot of people are the weather Right. Well, I get deeper. I'm like, okay, I see two does coming from this direction by this tree going this direction by this tree using the wind and this, you know, method and I'll write all that down so it's super, super detailed. And it got started a long, long time ago. We I grew up with uh, an awesome opening day like experience. Uh, my grandpa had this just insanely beautiful butcher shop. Everybody from the area kind of came to our farm, had breakfast in the morning, you know, talked about stuff. And my grandpa was bit, really big about um, taking a picture with the deer. You know, it wasn't, so we, we had this book of you know deer pictures, Polaroids, mostly from way back in the day of the date and the stand. And I started noticing like patterns and that's what got me into it was like, you know, cause I was the younger brother. I had a jockey for my spots to hunt. Right. So I always would be like, Oh, you know what? On this day, you know, five people shot a buck. That's the day I need to be in that stand. Like, right. of course there was a lot more to play into it. But right. back then it was like, that's a pattern. I'm going to follow it. And I, I got lucky a few times and, it, and the patterns kind of like held true. So that's what got me down that road of journaling. And it just got worse and worse and worse <laughs> to where I was writing everything down, you know? So, and I am a, a firm believer that several deer that I have harvested are solely because of past history based off of how they're using certain fields off of rotations, um, how they're going from point A to point B based off of certain crops. Um, and I wouldn't have, dived into those areas as granularly with like trail cameras or whatever or putting a stand in and saying okay they're not right here but 60 yards over I'm seeing a lot of activity cutting through this section and then that's when I would take my stand down and move it 60 yards over
1: that's sweet So you could basically go in that book, and do you have, like, multiple books and all that? Oh,
0: I got almost a decade of journals.
1: Oh, you could just go back, and you basically can relive hunts and
0: all that. Oh, yeah, and I do regularly. That's truthfully what I use it for. It's not, like, an in-season thing for me. It's a a post-season and reliving and immersing myself into hunting more. You know what I mean? Like, almost making it to where I'm truly doing something with hunting every single day. That's sweet. You know, I'll drill down... Yeah, you know, I have books of years. Right. Every every year has its own book. Yeah. And then I kind of drill down from there. And,
1: like, coming from that, like, y- you see, like, people only see, sometimes only see the post of you sh- with the big deer on the ground. Right. They don't look at none of the hours. Oh, no. Days. Yeah. And, you you know. know, stuff you've put in and, mm-hmm. you know, the countless late nights and all that. And
0: Oh, I couldn't and, tell you how many times people have commented, oh, you yeah. know, you just you're spoiled because you got private land. Well, not all private land works this way. No. And you know, uh, again, I had I had a conversation with a fellow that used to hunt the farm and how they hunted. And I kept telling him, I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to tell you guys how to hunt, but you're bitching that you're not seeing deer. Well, this could be a reason why. You know, right. like, trying not to tell him you're fucking this all up, you're right. hunting it wrong. But like, hey, I'm seeing this. Maybe we should do something different. They you know they never changed their yeah. ways, but I was still shooting really nice bucks, and a lot of the guys were getting angry. They're like, "What the fuck? How oh, you so lucky?" And I'm like, it's... "Some of this isn't luck." Of right. course, every deer you shoot has an element of luck. We all know, yeah, that. for sure. But when you're putting yourself in the positions where that luck is uh, you know less on that side, a few of the guys started realizing, you oh, know, there might be something to some of this, and we got to figure some of this out and hunt the area a little differently. And it, I'm not kidding, it was like a light switch. Right. Boom the farm changed yeah. as soon as that human pressure changed and didn't intrude on them so much the whole farm changed so it's it's a big deal
1: that's sweet that's sweet and i, I think that like goes back to like the like i used to sit in the stand all the time yeah. and i used to see deer all the time now they're, now they don't they they just come over here they just go over that pasture over there can you hunt over that pasture? Yeah, I can hunt over there, but my stand's right here. Yeah. Move the fucking move. Stand? Move. Yeah. Yeah. Move. Yeah. And and yeah. you're taking your uh, I think Mark Drury says M R I. Yeah. Most recent information. And you're just you're going off of that, but then you're going to pass, you know, history with other deers and breaking it down like, mm-hmm. well, this deer was doing this. And then all of a sudden he, he was like on the same pattern because you know, some you know, deer have that animal instinct they can't beat. They so. repeat themselves. Yeah,
0: Not every deer is the same. I am 100% in agreeance that every deer has its own personality and right. uses things differently, but they repeat themselves. And I've had, you know, from, you know, I'll say 10 years ago where I shot a nice one doing this pattern five years later another nice one is doing that same pattern there's a reason why that buck did that pattern so that's why you know you can use those to your advantage and start narrowing that down when you're seeing a group doing this you know like right now my scouting i'm looking at does what are these does group doing i write that down in my log okay i had you know eight groups coming out of this they kept coming out of this corner with this wind and i know late season the bucks are going to be with them. And that's when I'll use, you know, that dope information to my advantage to get the bucks. Yeah. Know? Come that, when they start yarding back up, I feel like the bucks want, um, they, they get away from that social worry. And they now they're like, okay, I need more eyes. I need more people watching out with me. And you'll see them get closer to those doe groups. And them doe groups will move through. And then the buck groups will move through. And I got a video on my Instagram that's just like prime, prime example of that eight grow, does that I've been watching all year long doing this little pattern. They come through 15 minutes later, a whole group of bucks yeah. come through. So none of them were doing that pattern before, but right. now they're onto that doe pattern. So.
1: Right. And yeah, and that's like, like you just said, like sometimes you just don't even hunt the buck, to hunt, hunt the doe. Yeah, right. And if you have all that information, you know, with the does, they're eventually going to come.
0: Yeah. From right on. I mean, of course you're going to have that, uh, you know, post-rut, where it's just dog days of hunting, where it's pretty tough, where right. everything's kind of, you know, skittish and, and I shut think, down. But.
1: I think that's a, a little bit from the post-rut, too, and a lot of influence of human intrusion. Oh, yeah, yeah so, so creed. So, yeah, yes. So that kind of, you know, it always takes, like, after, like, the 17th or 18th, I think it kind of you know until like uh thanksgiving that's kind of just starts to cool back down that's
0: funny because that's that's honestly kind of how i hunt i'll hunt the two first two or three days of gun season uh, you know i don't discriminate i'll use a gun i'm a right, too afraid yeah. of it but i do like to take my bow out and then i'll i'll peel off for a couple weeks yeah and let everybody else get out there you know and still kind of pound you know the orange army kind of pound it around and my place has no pressure so then i know come thanksgiving in late season that feed you know pattern is on again and i can go back out there with my bow and have very little impact and have a pretty good hunt. Yeah. know, I've had that for years now too. So I just been I've been keeping that trend up of I'm gonna hunt the first few days of gun season and then just ghost yeah. my property. It sounds
1: like you already have one usually down by then anyways.
0: Not every year. I mean I I've been fortunate. Yeah. I've definitely been fortunate the last I don't know, eight years in a row, nine yeah. years in a row or something like yeah. that. But uh yeah not every year.
1: Yeah. What's the latest buck you've taken like Time wise,
0: with my bow, it was the day after Christmas. Wow, number twenty six. Wow, yeah, yep. Nice. That was, was like a 117, eight point. You know, I was younger, but that's what that's actually. I I kind of fell in love with muzzleloader season when I was young. Yeah, you know, I really liked. Nobody was out.
1: No, no, everybody gives up. At, yeah, after first first week of weather's wow, horrible. Oh, yeah. You
0: know, nobody's out, and I'm like. Pop the heater, sit in my gun blind. This is this is cake, you know. Yeah. And then, and then I, I, I gravitated back to the bow of you know what I wanna I wanna really get after it, right? And, and fight the weather and the conditions with my bow. So that's what I do now, late season. Yeah,
1: that's that's my by far not for bucks at all. It's my favorite time to be in the woods. I'll freeze my. It's like it's like embracing the suck, dude. It's <laughs> right. like it's like a horrible time most of the time. But it's so, I don't know, like it's so like really refreshing. Like, And just, it's a
0: feast or famine time, you know? It's like you don't see a damn deer yeah. or you see
1: 30, right. 40, and yeah. it's
0: like, holy shit. And I think that's why I kind of liked it too was, man, when you hit those those right in your field is, I mean, I, I got a picture of me and my grandpa out one really late season. I think there was 77 or 78 deer in this caught cornfield. I mean, granted, that was the early 90s when the deer population wasn't, absolutely insane
1: but still right that is cool yeah it's super cool it's like a migration like when they come out and stuff it's super cool
0: yeah very cool
1: well man is there anything else you really want to enlighten on or you know the only thing that i
0: i would say that might be something for people to try is the mock vine scrape um i'm like i'm a proponent of this thing oh really yeah yeah, please please
1: tell me because i'm about to do this i'm about to do this i just got a trail cam just break it all down tell me what i gotta do
0: all right so you, the main thing is location it, you're you may fail a few times on getting in that, in that right spot but if you can find some heavily used trails that kind of intersect together um in close to a bow stand like i put them only where i can shoot to them because they're they're that good <clears throat> um and i'll put it right in the center of the stand so what you're gonna do is you're gonna go out in, in michigan here i call it wild grapevine i I don't know if that's what it actually is, but right. you know, like the, the, um, furry looking bro- Well, I don't want to call it furry cause that's going to be like poison ivy, poison oak Oh, stuff. oh. um, you know, I it just, it's the, the vine that grows from the ground and goes up in the treetops, you know, and has like those similar grape looking vine, um, leaves. I, I think it is grapevine, but, uh, I look for a section that's about an inch around and I'll cut, just saw it off both, you know, both sides or whatever, um, about six, eight feet, depending on what I think I need to get up into the branches or something to hang it from. Go back to my spot and use a little bit of rope. I normally use about five foot of paracord. So you got about 25 cents of rope into the thing and, uh, either bend trees. Like if you got saplings on either side of the trail, you can bend them over to make them cross, you know, right on that trail and then tie that vine hanging down to the, where it ends at your, about your waist level. And that's to get every deer involved in this like i'm not going just for bucks this is this is meant to be a social place for everyone to check in big and small and uh you tie that up and i like to have mine rigid enough where it's not just like blowing in the breeze but not hard enough where it can't move a little right you know so there's that there is that given that take on it um i've tried rope i've tried ribbon i've tried scents, and i've never had as much consistent success as I have with this natural vine no scent no nothing hang that up clear out you know a spot underneath it that looks like a scrape now they're not coming to this to scrape I think that's more of a visual that they can see it and it kind of keys them in and then they see that limb hanging and I've got uh, literally numerous videos of deer of all ages all calibers long way away locking in on that vine and then you see pictures of them right to it Right. Until they're rubbing, you know, their orbital glands on that on that vine.
2: Right.
0: I've had them hit within six hours, you know, a couple of days, but then it starts to, you know, every year I leave them out three sixty five. I, I, I hang them up and I put a trail camera on them, um, leave them out all the time because so, they get hit all year, no matter what. Of course, sometimes they're more peaked than other, like mid, early summer. You get a few, you know, here and there, but it's not like right now, though. I don't know I, if it's I, because I, of the I, testosterone or what's going, but
1: maybe visual because everything's just so. Overgrown at this point. I'm or... not
0: sure what it is, but for some reason, right now is when it starts to really kick off, and I'll start getting a lot of bigger bucks start rubbing on them. You know, they still got velvet, but uh, they start you know putting their scent out. They're almost like maybe it's just saying, "Hey, I'm I'm in this area." Right. Oh, you know, it's a it's a social scrape. So
1: yeah, but maybe you think it's uh, after the bachelor groups get get kicked out, or you know, basically no, because they're
0: still in bachelor groups right now. Okay, yeah, so you know, I'm still seeing them in big groups, and they're and they started hitting it like. The second week in August, when they every year they start to hit it more. Okay, I I just think that my opinion again that their their hormones are changing right now, right? They're starting to harden their horns, they're starting to dump the testosterone, they're starting to they're getting thinking about uh, shedding velvet. I think that may change, you know, their what they're trying to do. So they're they're starting to sign a little bit more and kind of lay down their territory, if you will. So
1: right. Um, so do you discriminate on any time you said you do it all, you leave them out. Is there a certain time you like to do them? Would you do them in season or you, if you can, I mean, yeah, obviously you don't want the intrusion, but I'm saying like, yeah, I mean,
0: you're going to again, get in, you know, come into season where it kind of tapers off again. You know, they're, they're starting to do their thing where it's not as, and I think that might shy people away of, man, I only had one deer on this thing this week. Right. Might be the time of year of why they're not hitting it, but. There's no bad time to establish it. But for me, as soon as green up is coming out in the spring, I'm out there trying to, you know, put a few of them out. Get them out, get them, you know, ready to go so that deer can know they're there, walk by them, figure them out.
1: And and you said you're hunting off of these. Yes. Yeah. So how far, if let's just say we have one, how far are you hunting off of it? I pretty
0: much always put them at, you know, what I would consider a chip shot with bow, 20. 20 yards 20 25 yards yep and i'm always you know downwind of it right you're you're gonna have those bucks that you know come into it kind of check it out a little bit before they work into it but most of them will come right down that trail right to it
1: sweet yeah
0: yeah i got a lot of um video and pictures and stuff on my instagram of them you know i uh i don't know i don't ever put any of the really big bucks on my instagram i don't i don't i don't know why but i just have never really Wanted to advertise what's out yeah, there, you know what sure. I mean? It, who knows? Maybe it's just me being weird or whatever. But No, uh, no.
1: It's, there's some people that won't even, like, they're like, oh, they'll show, like, hey, I've never seen that picture. Oh, well, I think he died, like, a couple of years ago. Like, why don't you share him now? Like, yeah, there's you
0: know, a lot of guys that are really tight-lipped yeah, about it. Yeah.
1: I, I like, starting this podcast, I had a couple people, and they, uh, I had one guy send me pins, like, of, like, public land, and it blew my mind, because, like, I grew up, you know, in an era where, like, kind of, like, hunting was, like, it was, like, sacrilegious. Yeah, it's like, your but, spot, man. That, these are yours. And he <laughs> sent me his pins. He's like, these are great areas. He's telling me. I'm like, holy moly, because there's some people just, like, like, I don't care. Like, I would show people where, if I hunted an area, I'd be like, hey, this mm-hmm. I right hunted. But, like, there's some people that was just, like, never ever tell you
0: oh yeah i got a few buddies that that won't even show me pictures you know that like keep them hidden and then the after season they're like oh look at this one i'm like really like why don't you just show me a picture like i'm not gonna come to your farm and kill this deer like really but uh you know i'll still talk with all my neighbors and we still share pictures and stuff because they're getting the same pictures i am of the similar deer so it's not like they're real super hidden but i just i don't know i just there's too many crazy people on the internet and people can figure stuff out and i don't want any of that drama i've had Trespassing drama in the past, and that's just why give them a carrot to to go after.
1: Yeah, for sure. Big bucks will make people do crazy things, and Uh, I've heard of friendships ruin over some. Oh yeah, I I actually know a couple.
2: Jesus, like, yep.
1: Sometimes you just like we do this to you know you like like like-minded people just meet like-minded people but then there's some people are just like no man this is my stuff so yeah gotta be
0: that guy like it's it elevates them or something it's that's too bad because man i love seeing other people's success oh
1: yeah it's it's all that's like a matt loves turkey hunting with other people he he doesn't even like he's like yeah i can go out and kill one but he wanted to bring everybody because it's so much more joy and and I mean, we can tie a little bit about that. You got some kids, right? You said Mm -hmm. you got kids. So, uh, how old are they? Five and three. So they're When do you think you're gonna introduce them? I mean,
0: I mean, of course, they've always been like involved in the butcher shop and me going to get deer. Like right. I bring them out with me in the gator, you know, gutting deer stuff like that. Like I, I've involved them from the beginning. Right. Know? I take pictures with my boy with the deer and stuff, you know, because he loves it. Um, but actually getting them out in the woods, I think, is my boy. This is my boy's year to come oh, out with me and you know go out and of course i'm gonna take him to some spots that are easy to get to you know right if he wants to go we can tuck tail and leave you know with a heater i'm gonna make it as comfortable as possible for him to try to enjoy it and, and get out there but he really wants to come so this that's, year is his, his year
1: that's super cool like yeah that's always a I, I never had the moments you know my dad never did that and all that but i mean i that's what i look forward to it as a parent now is just some of the moments and that's really cool like that year I, I get my kids not a year old i'm like already right, waiting i can't wait but yeah i mean and you hear people like you said you, at least you're not going oh we gotta stay we're out here and all that you said if he wants to leave you gotta leave because if you put a negative stigmatism on it that'll be like a nasty taste in their mouth and they're like ah last time dad yelled at me or whatever yeah. i don't want to go hunting yeah you know so. and
0: and that kind of that that takes me into the youth season. I'm 50-50 on that,
1: Ooh. And, re-
0: and it's not that I don't I don't care that the kids are out early shooting deer. Like, that doesn't bother me, but I've seen several kids ruined by
1: it. Oh, really? Just Even because they shoot a big one and they're like, I'm done? Either
0: shot a nice one or the weather's nice. They see a lot of deer, and then they get over, older, and they're not out there in that nice weather. They're not oh. out seeing a lot of those oh. deer, and I have multiple kids that I know that, that just won't hunt anymore because they're like, mm, it's just i don't want to freeze i don't i don't see any deer and it's like you got so spoiled with that youth season that now you won't hunt and that's i don't know maybe it's me putting things that aren't there into it but you know one of them straight up told me it was like no man now that i can't go out early i don't i don't have no interest in sitting wow. there. i'm like oh that
1: sucks yeah that does because they
0: you all know, like you i my dad didn't hunt when when i was growing up he did before i was growing up but he didn't hunt when I was growing up, so my brother was my mentor, and then uh, I sat out with my grandpa, you know, quite a bit, so, right.
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm about to have my nephew on. Um, he's – this is his last youth season, and he's always – he's shot in some really nice deer, and I, I kind of – and he, he's, he gets so, like – like, it's funny because, like, people are, like – some people are really against the youth season. Yeah. Like, they straight yeah. hate it because – and – so I'm gonna bring him on and see his perspective mm-hmm. of it and all that. So
0: yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and that's why I kind of started this podcast. Is is it's always about the you know the youth and you know the next generation. Yeah, but,
0: and I like to you know the the back backwoods guys, or the you know the local guys. That's like these are the podcasts I like to listen yeah. to. know, I like to listen to average Joes. I I don't I really don't like like the the fantasy hunters. You know, I, don't get me wrong. I watch them every now and then, right. but. I'll watch guys on YouTube that nobody's heard of. Like, that's my guy. That's right. my jam. You know, I like seeing, I don't care if this guy doesn't know everything about deer hunting. I just like seeing a guy that's like me out doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much people out there that are just straight monster killers. And mm-hmm. and they just they just do it because they love the, I mean, look at, you have huge knowledge of all that. and And it's just like. Just talking with you, just I learned so much, and that's what I love about this podcast. Is just like, dude, you just get some of these people on here that have so much knowledge and what works for you. And what because there is no golden ticket. There's I nothing. Agree. Yes. There, there is there's no. You go to here this time of the day, you're shooting a big bug. Yep. Everything, or
0: do this on your property, and it will guarantee you to shoot big yeah. bucks. It's not. It's no. not going to do that. No.
1: And, and it sounds like everything you said is every everything's not free or easy. Yes. It's Took in years of planning you know hard work and, and 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 just even to achieve to get the property it took a lot of you know you know that's a risk and you know in some don't pay out but right. it did pay out for you and and you just kept building off of that and that's a huge you know i think my, you know uh like goal for everybody is to own property and and now you achieved it and some and you just enhanced it and enhanced yeah. it. And
0: so it's my American dream, you know? Yeah, yeah. Start a family, have my own piece of land, have some food, yeah. produce for my family. And of course, deer hunting is part of that. Yeah. You know, deer hunting for me is first off providing. Yeah. You know, secondary, yeah, of course, to me, if I'm going to shoot a buck, it, it's going to go on the wall or I'm not shooting it. And that's just because of where I am as a hunter. But when it comes to those, I don't discriminate. You know, right. I'm filling the freezer and that's right. my number one goal every year. So. If I don't shoot a buck, that's okay. I'll, I'll go after some does. I'm I'm all right with eating tag sandwiches, and I have a lot in the past. So.
2: Yeah,
1: I have eaten that sandwich so much lately. Yeah. So,
0: and that's a, that's a, you know another prerequisite to all of this for me was I've had a lot of years of no deer, uh, no bucks.
1: Right.
0: Prior to the last twelve or thirteen years of a lot of success, was five or six years, seven years of just randomly shooting a decent buck or so and yeah. letting a lot of deer go. Right
1: and that's kind of why i reached out to you cuz i seen i was seeing multiple you know people get lucky and and you never know you know people do get lucky yeah. and all that but like i brought you in here cuz you have over success here and there and you, like you just said you're pretty humble about you, you cuz a lot of people just talk about the glory they don't talk about the the failure and mm-hmm. all that and hard work too i mean that's a I mean, it's not just about showing up on October first.
0: Absolutely. So. Yeah. No people, you know, people. Well, if it's not for the glory, why do you mount that deer head to have it in your house? I say because every time I walk in that house and I look up at that deer, I relive that moment. Right. That deer is eternal. Right. It's not dirt and just lived its life now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is
0: eternal in my life. It's changed my life, and I get to look at it and. You know, give that animal credit that it yeah. deserves, and that's that's one of the reasons why I'm huge in the Pope and Young. I absolutely love that club. It Has a lot of the same values I do. I enter all my deer that I'm fortunate enough to shoot into Pope and Young Club. And uh, how you know,
1: many po- how many Pope and Youngs do you have? I got six. Awesome, dude. Yep. That's sweet, man. Mm-hmm. I haven't got one yet. I need. Nice.
0: Yeah, it'll come.
1: Uh, it will come. But I, I you know, I passed I actually passed Pope and Youngs last year because because wow. I, I was just. I'm when you see them when I've physically seen them like 150 160 inch I was just like I don't care if I eat that tag I want this you know I'm chasing that different high so I was like eventually hopefully they'll get to 150 if not. Some also will enjoy it or right, something. So, right, right. so I just like set my goals up. And that's probably really bad because of Instagram, I think, because I have a lot of friends from like Illinois and all of them. So I want to try to keep <laughs> up with them guys. But I have to understand Michigan's not yeah, like that. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. No, but. And
0: that is, and again, we're out there to hunt. Yeah. Not just observe. Yeah. Right. So I mean, part of that is you do want to kill something every like, now and then. You know, yeah. you do want to harvest something and, and, and do that whole part of it. So.
1: And, and, it, and it's to show, like, my wife, too, like, like I'm not wasting all this time and right. all this energy and all this money. Like, I went out to Wyoming, and I didn't get a bear. And I was like, I'm going back out there. And, like, I had this, like, like on the drive out there, I was like, if I don't get one, she's going to be pissed. Because <laughs> I just spent, especially with her watching a newborn for 10 days, I was yeah, like, oh, right. man. So it's, like. Some it's for me, but like sometimes it's reassuring to you know, get something to show them that it's not I'm not just out there dicking around.
0: Yeah, yeah. Stuff. You know, that's one thing I will say that my wife has been my number one supporter over a long time and without her, truthfully, none of this could happen. I mean, without her yeah, for sure supporting me to A go out and do it and, and you know, not make my life a living hell while I do it is mm-hmm. one thing and then of course financially to help provide my dreams also I couldn't do it without her. Yeah. Um but uh she knows that this is a passion. It's yeah. it's a lifestyle. You know, it's yeah. not just something I'm going to do to get away from her. It's something that spiritually cleanses me, whatever you want to call it, right. however you want to say it. It's something that I need to have to recenter myself yeah. every year. So
2: yeah,
1: and I think that's why a lot of people gravitate it. Like like I I tell people like I was I wasn't lost, but I like didn't have like. I didn't have, like, a hobby or nothing, and I seen people, like, a little bit older, like, like not have hobbies, and I was, like, when I was, like, 22 or something, and I was, like, man, that's not the life I really want. Right. That's why I kind of, and I got into hunting more to get closer to my dad you know and we never had a rock i mean when i was younger yeah, i was whatever but it, it brought us together so strong yeah it's pretty common cool. interest actually. yeah yeah the common interest it was that or nascar and i'm glad i choose hunting <laughs>
0: <laughs> agreed yeah
1: yeah, yeah. go so,
0: watch them go around a circle so many times <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah but i mean it's like that community just like hunting found that passion for me and it's just like it just like swallowed it once i killed my first deer with my bow it just swallowed me, me so too. whole and it the archery side has taken me even more because i do yeah. a lot of 3d stuff and like that just, it drives me nuts when i can't shoot my bow more than like two or three days i i have to shoot it or something or i just go out there with a trad bow so i mean nice and then, and then you get meet people like you i mean that's just yeah that's, that's the, just this, the coolest thing it's just like yeah. I mean, we've never met each other. We talked oh, yeah. one time on in- Instagram mm-hmm. before, and right. all that, and and we're just bullshitting and all that. And
0: yeah, absolutely, no. That's ex- that's exactly the goal is to meet common like minded people. And yeah. you know, that that I've done a couple of podcasts before, and it was just in that same thing of uh, I've only got really truthfully one friend that takes it as seriously as I do. Like he's in it as much as I am, but we both have young kids, so we haven't got to do a lot together. And it was. Uh, well, this is my way of trying to find uh, a little bit of a community a little bit of a group of people to kind of experience this kind of stuff with so i appreciate you guys having having me on and giving me this opportunity
1: hey matt you want to come on <laughs> no i'm good you're all right yeah matt just came but I appreciate you coming out. I mean, is there anything you want to shout out? I don't know if you want to do your Instagram or whatever. If not, it's totally fine. No, I'm I... not
0: huge in Instagram. I, I post a couple times a week or something like that. It's pretty much all outdoor-related uh, just for fun. You know, I'm not looking to be a f- influencer right. or any garbage like that. But it's uh, J-A-B underscore outdoors. I know, super original. Yeah. Jab outdoors, but that's, that's just me cutting dry right to the point um but it's got hunting fishing you know that's uh
1: that's how i learned about you i was like man this guy's killing some big bucks i was like oh shit he's from michigan oh shit i like them and i was like following along i was like wow this guy's actually knows what he's doing so i was like i appreciate that. yeah and that's why i brought you on here because i mean that's how you learn i mean if you, you know he was spouting stuff out about crazy stuff and about trees and stuff i have no idea about so
0: yeah, I, I just, the habitat wormhole is exactly that, man. It's a wormhole, yeah. and I got hooked, Yeah, hooked, but, hooked,
1: hooked. But it looks like it's paying off, so yeah, other than that, is. but I really appreciate you, man. Thanks, Thank man. Appreciate yep. it. Have a good one.